Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for another edition of the Roundtable. It's probably not going to be as entertaining as the show we did before the show, where my next guest and I always have fun talking about a whole variety of different topics. But we're going to talk about the Jets with somebody who has beaten Tiki Barber one-on-one in basketball. Could probably beat him 10 out of 10 times, actually. So take that, Tiki Barber, you and your Giants fandom. He also is a cast member of the Real Housewives of New Jersey, a return guest. You know him, you love him. Evan Goldschneider. Evan, first of all, before anything else, congratulations on your Michigan Wolverines, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know how to react, Scott, um, because I'm not used to having any victories with my sports team. So I'm still I'm still processing it right now. But thank you. I got that. I got my uh, the Knicks look pretty good. And then uh, I'm happy to talk about the Jets to kind of counterbalance that. I guess if Aaron Rodgers plays anything like Jalen Brunson has played so far this year for the Knicks, that'll be a huge win for the Jets, right? It's a tremendous win. But what are the chances of that happening? And Jalen Brunson's what, 27? Rodgers is 40 and he also uh, wears a Jets jersey. So it's very likely it's not going to (laughs) happen. Well, we've got plenty to talk about when it comes to Mr. Rogers. First, though, your general overview of the 2023 season. I remember right after Rogers went down, you texted me and you were like, bro, you can't be serious. And then the news came out that it was indeed an Achilles tear. And I think your exact words to me were, well, at least I've still got Michigan. (laughs) And I was worried about that. By the way, I go to... um maybe one or two games a year, maybe less over um, from like 2005 to 2015. I don't think I went to any games. And now I take one of my young kids is a big fan. So I, I try to go to at least one game a year. So two of the games that I've been to were uh, 1999, the season opener, Vinny Testaverde. Um, and then obviously this year with Aaron Rodgers. And then I also had Achilles surgery of my own in November. So uh, just basically keep me away from MetLife is number one because um, I'm bad luck for for both my Achilles and everybody else's Achilles. Uh, number two is just a horrendous season. It's terrible. Like, I mean, what can you say? So I, so I, I teach uh, a class. Uh, it's crazy. Georgetown hired me to teach a class. Uh, it, I went to business school there. So uh, I teach a class. And if I had to give a grade, I would give an F. I've never given less than a C, but uh, I would have to give an F to everybody involved. 
on the Jets this year, unfortunately. You have a very interesting theory about Joe Douglas. So talk a little bit about your thoughts on where you are with him right now as the general manager and your doppelganger theory. Yeah, so there are a lot of conspiracy theories that go around in this world nowadays, um, especially with social media. Uh, And I'm generally not a conspiracy theory guy, um, but there was this old movie called Dave. I think it came out in 1993. It starred Kevin Kline. Um, uh, I have the plot right here. I'm just going to read it for a second. But it says, Dave takes an old plot about an ordinary person who is suddenly thrust into a position of power. The movie's about a nice guy who runs an employment agency and is otherwise undistinguished, except that he happens to look exactly like the president of the United States. When the president wants to sneak away for a quickie with his mistress, he is recruited by the Secret Service to act as a stand-in. Then the president has a stroke, and Dave is hired on a more or less permanent basis. So what happens with Dave is there was a president, the president's incapacitated, and he comes in, he's just this regular schlub who's, uh, who looks like the president, so he's the stand-in, and it turns out he does an amazing job. So what happens at the end is the, the president uh, eventually dies, and Dave wants to get back to his life, so he's there for, let's call it, they don't really say, but it's called six months or a year, and he ends up, ends up doing a really good job. Um, but nobody knows that it's a stand-in. So what I think I figured out, and I can't prove it, so I need some help from fellow Jets fans, but uh, if you look at Joe Douglas's tenure, he's had only one good year where he's made decisions that are kind of uh, out of the ordinary for him. If you look at the 2022 draft, although in retrospect, it's kind of easy, the first two picks that he made, but you got to give him credit for Sauce and Garrett Wilson, um, specifically um, you know, number three, Stingley went, so, all right, so you wanted a cornerback, right? So kind of sauce fell onto the laps. Number eight, Drake London went to the Falcons and the number 10, Garrett Wilson, great. But he still made those picks. You give him credit. Um, but then he also traded up for Jermaine Johnson, and they traded up for Brees Hall. So th- those are great picks. And then he also, in the offseason, he signed DJ Reed, which I thought was one of the best free agent signings that the Jets have ever made. So you compare that to his drafts in 2020, 2021, 2023, free agent signings. Like there's it usually when I'm looking at a track record of somebody, I'm, I'm in the finance industry. So you look at managers and you look at their track records and there's some consistency. There's not like these huge ups and downs. So what I saw with Douglas is that he had one really good year and then the rest of the years have been absolute trash, just horrendous. So that's why I'm convinced that there was a doppelganger. There was somebody that was filling in for him. Uh, he was incapacitated. I don't want to say why he was incapacitated. I have no reason why. I can't speculate, but it was somebody else that was uh, that was making the decisions. I just hope somebody else is making the decisions right right now as they get ready for the offseason 2024. Well, one of the guys that's going to be helping make the decisions is Robert Sala, and you are not very high on him, are you? Well, I'm pretty low on him, actually. <laughs> I mean, so I, I hate at answering the question with a question. But would you say that the team was prepared last year for games and were they disciplined during the games? Evan, if only people could see the text messages that were going back and forth during the games between you and I about Robert Sala, I think at least twice a game, I would get a text message that would say, is this team ever going to come out prepared? And at least twice a game, I would get a text from you saying, I'm not watching this team again until Robert Sala is out of here. Yeah, I, I can't watch it. It's terrible. The team's never prepared. They don't make adjustments at halftime. And uh, I don't know if they led the league in penalties this year, but they came pretty damn close. 
Uh, it's terrible. Like I was actually looking at the stats of Makai Becton before. He, he had 18 penalties, gave up 12 sacks. Uh, I mean, there, and he's not alone. Uh, this team was completely undisciplined, unprepared. They had no imagination on offense, which is crazy. Like I look at college teams, and then you look at the teams that were uh, in the Super Bowl or even in the playoffs. You ever see a little bit of motion before the play on offense? Like, come on. I, I know people hate Hackett, and I hate Hackett too. But um, there's an old saying from Harry Truman, the buck stops here. If you're the head coach, aren't you responsible for not only the offense, defense, special teams, getting the team prepared, getting them motivated, getting fired up, but also playing discipline? And none of that happened. So it's it's nauseating to me that he's back when you had a lot of good coaches who were available in the offseason. Like, w- wouldn't you rather have Mike Rabel as our head coach? I mean, we already have their a lot of their offensive staff, Keith Carter, who's a moron as well, and a bunch of other people. But I'd rather have him than than Robert Sala, especially in a year where you're kind of going all in, um, yet you you already know that the coach is not the answer. It's kind of like after year three of Todd Bowles, we were, we already knew he wasn't the answer. How do we not know that Robert Sala is not the answer? It's, to me, it's crazy that we have him back. Um, one of the things we were talking about before, too, is he is the epitome of the Peter Principle. So um, instead of me saying it, I'm going to read it to you. The Peter Principle states that if you perform well in your job, you will likely be promoted to the next level of your organization's hierarchy. You will continue to rise up the ladder until you reach the point where you can no longer perform well. So he was a pretty good defensive coordinator who had amazing talent on San Francisco, and then he became a head coach, and all of a sudden he forgets how to read, write, or do anything. He's a complete moron, in my opinion. (laughs) Well, one person who doesn't share your opinion, I guess, is Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's a big part of the reason why both Salah and Douglas are back. No major changes made on the coaching staff. The front office, a different story. Guys are leaving, which is kind of strange at this time of year. Two of the top lieutenants for Joe Douglas are out the door, but no major changes on the coaching staff. Talk to me a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. Are you nervous about what we're going to see from him in 2024? And are you nervous about what he may do in terms of the Jets offseason because we know last year it was Randall Cobb, it was Billy Turner, it was Alan Lazard, it was Nathaniel Hackett. This offseason, could it be guys like David Bakhtiari who can't stay on the field? What should we expect from Aaron Rodgers, the general manager this offseason? Well, I hope nothing. Yeah, I mean, Billy Turner alone should should uh, lose all street credit as uh, Aaron Rodgers as a GM. So, uh, he should have no impact whatsoever in terms of who comes on board. Um, that's number one. Number two is um, when you see him behind this offensive line, the way it's currently constructed, I know it's going to be different, but even just those first four plays that we saw him in, he wasn't very mobile. He's lost a lot of his mobility. You need to have a great offensive line for him to be effective. Um, you know, look, I'm worried. Unless we do a lot on the offensive line, which I'm sure we'll be talking about kind of you know future moves. Uh, I just don't see him doing well um, unless you have that protection and you only have one right wide receiver. And I would say an average group of tight ends. It's just not, there's not much to work with at this point, but you know, look, I'm hopeful that we can fix it. So that, that's the only thing I have at this point of the year is, is, is hope that we can fix it. He's like, I'd rather if I, if I had my way, if there's a way for us to get a quarterback of the future, have him sit for one or two years behind, Rodgers fix the offensive line get a second wide receiver then I'll be happy but unless that happens I just don't think it's going to be a good season obviously the draft will go a long way towards that but before the draft comes free agency what do you think the Jets should be looking to do in free agency 
So the obvious ones are there's not there's only I'll start with the with defense because I think that's you don't really have to do too much there. Um, I would like a little more depth uh, in on linebacker. Um, I think we did a terrible job stopping the run, uh, especially after Al Woods got injured. I didn't know he was such an important cog in stopping the run, but we need one or two guys who are like these space eaters. Like uh, remember Sione Doha and Mike DeVito, like those guys were, they were great against the run. I love them. That was like the 2009, 2010 seasons. We need guys like that. And and they're not super expensive. So you can get them um, in free agency. You can get them in the draft as well. Um, so that's defense. Offense is obvious. Uh, we probably have two starters coming back on the offensive line. We need two tackles. Um, we need another guard. I, I need Lake and Tomlinson gone. Um, and, and we need another wide receiver. And we need to get a wide receiver of the future as well. So in terms of free agency, if I had a wish list, um, I think a tackle, we need to get one or two guys. Uh, it's not really that deep this year. I think the best one that I've read about is Mike Onwenu, who um, well, I used to see him at, at Michigan. He was very average. I think he played guard at Michigan too. Um, and then as a wide receiver, there's problem. There, there's a lot of talent at the top. So we're not going to get T. Higgins because he's probably going to be franchised. Uh, we're not going to get Mike Evans. Uh, he's also, he's over 30. I don't want him. We're not going to trade for Devontae Adams. So we'll probably be left with Calvin Ridley, who's kind of the best of the bunch. And we'll probably have to overpay, you know, maybe 15, 17 million a year for a few years. Um, but we do need somebody, especially if we're going to go all in with Rodgers. So the pickings aren't that great. Um, look, I mean, maybe we'll find somebody in the draft that number 10, uh, I'd prefer to get uh, a tackle um, because I, I don't know, you know, who's going to be available uh, on the wide receiver side at number 10. And then like, we don't have any picks until number 72, but um, I think on offense, obviously this is, this isn't earth shattering information, but we certainly need offensive line, two offensive tackles. Uh, I think a new guard, a wide receiver, um, a backup quarterback, obviously somebody that's somewhat proficient. And then uh, on defense, definitely defensive tackle, maybe some depth at, at linebackers as well. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Evan, let's talk draft. A couple of things. First of all, before we started recording, we had a fun chat about talent evaluation and how there's a good crossover between what you do and what football franchises do and looking to find the best talent. So I wanted you to talk about that. But then also, were there any specific players or positions? I know that everybody understands the Jets need help on offense, wide receiver, offensive line, maybe even a tight end if something happens with somebody like Brock Bowers, for example. But are there any specific players? And then third thing here, because we are going to talk specific players and you are a Michigan guy, talk about mm-hmm. some of the Michigan guys, too, that you think the Jets might benefit getting, like a Roman Wilson or maybe Zach Zint or somebody like that. If you want to, I'll start with the Michigan guys because that's right on top of my head. But yeah, no, the two guys that you mentioned, Zach Zinter and Roman Wilson. Uh, Zinter probably would have been a, a late first round pick if he didn't get injured against Ohio State. Uh, you might be able to get him in the third round um, and he'll probably be recovered. I think he broke his leg, which by the way, my one of my sons broke his leg about four weeks ago. Uh, he'll be walking already. Kind of know like the, the recovery. So Zach Zinter should be fine uh, for next year. He'd be great. Um, maybe as a left guard to take over for Lake and Tomlinson and just put AVT at right guard. Roman Wilson would be great, but he's he's much more of a, of a slot receiver. I don't think you can get him. Uh, you have to get like you have to trade up to to get him probably in the second round now because he'll, he'll probably test very well at the combine. Outside of that, like I would love 
if there's a way for us to get J.J. McCarthy and have him sit for a few years, because he's not ready to start. But in terms of, like, the first thing you mentioned about talent evaluation, uh, I haven't met him personally, but he has, it seems like, all the intangibles. And part of part of my job since 2006 was meeting with a lot of investment managers. And a lot of investment managers, you look at their track record. And track record is numbers. Like, how much were you up in this year? Uh, were you down a lot when the market was down? Um, there's a lot of quantitative analysis that comes into it. But at the end of the day, it's really... Um, it's the qualitative side is what motivates this individual. Have they made all their money already and, and they're not they're not willing to put in the work? You know, how are they with teammates? Can they run a team? Because you want to get the best out of your team. You know, how many years do they have in them? Like, are they the hardest work? Are they first person in, last person out? Um, you know, are they kind of flatline when the market's up? Um, do they look the same as when the market's down? So that that's kind of the talent evaluation that we've been doing since 2006. It's kind of the same thing, um, I think, with with athletes, like what motivates them? Um, what are the like, obviously, you could see the raw intangibles from, you know, how fast they run, how big they are. Um, one of the things that I saw, I think we're, we were talking about this before is 2009. I was at one of these events. It's a Robin Hood event. It's kind of like this fancy event at the Javits Center and Black Eyed Peas were performing. And this is right after uh, Mark Sanchez was drafted. So I went up to him. I am a big Jeff fan. And I shook his hand. And, First of all, he didn't look that big. So I'm like 6'2", 200, and I was definitely bigger than him. And I shook his hand, and his hand was pretty small, and he gave me this dead fish grip. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe we drafted this guy. He's, he's gonna, he's definitely going to fail. He's not like, he's not a winner. Like the, the analogy I make is if I ever saw Patrick Mahomes and I shook his hand, I feel like he'd try to break my hand. So I could tell this guy was just, it was kind of passive, a little bit scared, like, you can you can definitely break out of it, but to me that that was a negative signal. It's just it's one data point, but it's one that unfortunately I was right. Um, so in terms of talent evaluation, you can kind of see that sometimes. I think the last question you asked is specific players to target. Um, if you want to start with free agency, I'll I'll go one by one. Um, my backup quarterback next year, I'd love to be Jacoby Brissett, depending on the price. Uh, we need kind of we need a third running back. We'll probably get that in the draft. Wide receiver, I guess we'll end up with Calvin Ridley, but I wouldn't mind getting more of like the the cheaper Curtis Samuel or Darnell Mooney type um, tight end. I don't think we need anything. Offensive tackle, we'll probably draft one. So the other, the one guy I'd want is probably Mike Onwenu, who's you know at least he comes up from the from the Patriots side, so you know he's pretty well coached. And we also take somebody off the Patriots. Um, Interior offensive line, I don't know. Um, there's so many guys. They're all the same. Like, we could have traded for Ezra Cleveland. Now he's a uh, free agent. Uh, and then on the interior of the defense, defensive line, there's I see all these rankings of the top 10 guys. And we don't need that. We need a guy who's like 360 pounds who plays like the, the rushing downs, and that's it. Um, and then a lot of people are probably going to be calling for a, uh, for a safety, but I'm one of the few people that actually don't hate Ashton Davis. Evan, as you know, because you've appeared on the show before, I like to ask people questions to wrap up these roundtables that pertain to their area of specialty. Now, I could ask you who would be the best financial investor on the Jets or who you'd want to do business with, but maybe we'll save that for next year's roundtable because I have a better question that I want to ask you right now. As somebody who spent six seasons on a reality show, which... My friend, I don't know how you did it. Your wife, Jackie, I hope really appreciates it because I know there's no way I would ever be able to do it. But nonetheless, you did it. 
Who do you think on the Jets would be the most boring member of a reality <laughs> show if you had to pick somebody? Because I've asked you in the past who you thought would be the most fun cast member. That's an easy question. This is a funnier question and much more difficult to answer. Who would be the most boring? By the way, thank you so much for saying being on a reality show is my area of specialty. It's kind of depressing. Uh, it's awful, actually. Thank you. Uh, so the worst person to be on, is, you know, you want somebody who's who's uh, really exciting to be, like somebody that's going to flip a table, that's going to start fights, that's going to be controversial. That's the ideal person. So if you're thinking for the opposite, somebody who would be the worst, uh, I came up with a few names. Um, the first one is, Greg Zerline. Second one, Jeremy Ruckert. And then you can get like a, a random offensive lineman who shows no fire whatsoever, like a Xavier Newman. That's like, if you want to talk about plain vanilla, a guy that probably like sits in the bathtub all day uh, and doesn't do anything, won't start any fights. Like somebody who just doesn't have any fire, no passion. Um, those are the three that came up. I mean, the obvious one, if you really want boring and talk about kind of uh, a lot of generalities and vagaries and, and catchphrases and cliches, it's Robert, uh, Robert Sala, definitely. Um, the thing that bothered me, I, again, getting back to Robert Sala, when you were, I don't know if you watched Hard Knocks. Uh, I had to force myself to watch that, even though I didn't want to. But you remember the speeches he'd give to the whole team? He'd be reading off like a teleprompter or he'd be reading off his computer, like, if you want to talk from the heart, like nobody reads from a teleprompter in reality TV, I can tell you that. Uh, you know, we're, we're sometimes given clues as to what to talk about, what subject, but everything is is certainly organic in terms of like it's our own voice, it's our own words. So somebody like Robert Sala, who's you know, if you get him without a teleprompter and you ask him a question, he's very plain vanilla, doesn't want to uh, have any controversy. He'd be horrendous as well. Um, but the other thing, Greg Zerline, so boring. Ruckert and probably somebody like Xavier Newman that that's getting a little bit obscure, but uh, they would be terrible on a reality show. There were three names I came up with and I'm curious what you think about this. So one of them is Joe Tipman because from everything I've gathered, he's just sort of this family guy who loves his dad and his mom and his siblings. And he doesn't really do much outside of go to church and things like that and play football. So he doesn't seem like anybody that, the cameras would like to follow sauce Gardner's another one because even though he's got that million dollar smile and he's got the fancy nickname all he does is play video games and go to football <laughs> practice so it doesn't seem like there's much meat on the bone there and then also Brees hall you mentioned hard knocks but also on flight 22 on the jets website and then also on youtube and then on sny they aired it as well you can see that Brees hall is a guy that doesn't really live the most fun life off of the football field in terms of something that you'd want to see on television. He was all excited about getting a Roomba to help clean up his apartment. And if you look into his background, he's a guy that really was just kind of a mama's boy. Great football player. Same thing with Sauce. But I'm not sure that those three guys are anything that reality show TV producers would be salivating over. Yeah, no, you're right. Like Sauce and Brees, those are big names. So may, somebody may want to see them. I give you a Xavier Newman and you give me guys who are actually good. Um, so uh, you're, you're probably right. They're, they're boring. The one thing about Joe Tipman, though, um, at least in my experience in life, when you see these family guys who go to church and, and you know, have mullets and don't look like they do much, like they have, they have a dark side. So I, I think Joe would actually be pretty good. 
Yeah, uh, you know, he's he's kind of like that undercover uh, potential superstar in reality TV. But Sauce and Breeze, yeah, I, I get it. Just standalone. But those are big names. Um, but but yeah, they're they're boring as heck. And by the way, I like them to be boring. I want them to just be focused on football recovery, uh, play your video games, and then the rest of the time, uh, just you you can be a mama's boy. Uh, but the rest of the time, just train, read the playbook, and just just get ready for the season. So maybe that's why they're good. Yeah, hopefully if Joe Tipman does have a dark side, he unleashes it on his opponents on the football field and just stays like a quiet, church-going family guy off the field. That's what you want if you're a Jets fan. Same thing with Sauce Gardner. You love the fact that he's this nerd off the field that just loves video games or that Brees Hall gets such a kick out of a Roomba. Those are the type of guys that you want. It kind of goes back to what you were saying before about talent evaluation because you're not just evaluating the guy's ability to play football. You're evaluating everything about him as a person because it all sort of comes together in one package. And if you are a jerk or you're lazy or whatever off the field, sometimes that bleeds into your playing habits, right? Yeah, so uh, I think you just jinxed Joe Tipman, by the way. And I'll <laughs> give you here's a gentleman's bet. Before training camp starts, he's going to be stopped for DWI. Uh, that's, that's almost a guarantee. You just jinxed it. Got to read him right. <laughs> so, uh, I hope I hope I'm wrong, um, but uh, but I'm I'm a big believer that um, you know you, you could you could jinx people by by saying good things about them. Are you trying to say he's the next Dylan Donahue? <laughs> <laughs> that guy was he? He was driving the wrong side of yes. the Lincoln Tunnel. Is that what he was doing? Yeah, I, I was excited about him too. He was, wasn't he supposed to be a great pass rusher? And all of a sudden, yeah, nothing, nothing happened. Yeah, that, that was the guy that I, I was actually thinking about him before. <laughs> he looked like a good guy. What did he grow up like in Idaho or Wyoming or something? I don't know. Se- seemed like the same type of guy that lived and breathed football, went to church, and next thing you know, he's driving the wrong side of Lincoln Tunnel. Thought that he was going to be that good situational pass rusher that they needed, and then out of nowhere, he ends up, like you said, driving on the wrong side of the Lincoln Tunnel, and thankfully, as far as I recall, nobody got hurt, but I hope that nothing like that happens with Joe Tipman, and I hope that the Jets are able to add some more pieces to that offensive line to help Joe Tipman block for Aaron Rodgers this year. We will see, but we have the blueprint that Evan Goldschneider has laid out for us, what he thinks the Jets should do, so we'll see if they follow it. Evan Goldschneider, six-season cast member of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. You poor, poor soul. Thanks so much for coming on and talking Jets with me. Really appreciate it. For those that don't know, Evan and I talk all the time. There's constant text messages that go back and forth, mostly about the Jets, but every now and again about other subjects. For those that want to interact with you on social media, I know you're not on Twitter, but you do have an Instagram, right? I do, yes. Uh, I'm not very active on it. Uh, it's mostly a cesspool of misinformation, but, uh, but yeah, if you want to interact, uh, feel happy to talk to other Jets fans. Um, uh, please, no, please no naked photos, especially if you're a man, um, but to talk about, about the Jets or the Knicks or Michigan. If you have anything you want to talk about with Evan about the Knicks or the Jets, feel free. If you want to send him a naughty picture that you probably shouldn't be sending to anybody, just don't do it. That's really what my advice would be. But make sure that you check out Evan's Instagram. If you have an Instagram account, check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. 
Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in the New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.